Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. But we're going to uh, dig in, but before I dig in, I want to talk a little bit about what we started with last week. Um, as you know, we've been in this study of Jesus's life for uh, a year and eight months, year and nine months, somewhere in that range. I know, Jeremiah. And uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, we're getting ready to kind of bring that, that intense focus to a close as we get closer to Easter, as we get into Easter. And then we're going to start talking about discipleship. Now that we've really looked at Jesus from that standpoint of who he is, now let's start looking at how do we become like him? How do how do we move in these areas that he's called? So last week, I had asked um, all you guys to take these connection cards and your bulletin and just write down your answers, your thoughts, your input on two questions. The first one being, what is discipleship? Um, it's a word we talk about all the time in the church, but what is discipleship? And then the second one being, how are you personally being discipled? Like, what, what does that mean? And uh, it was, like I said, we got a lot of results. I was surprised you guys had this many comment cards with how many of you guys put them back here on that welcome table. There's a, a lot of them here. And um, there were some really good answers. A lot of people were dead on. Uh, we did have uh, question marks. We did have uh, answers that weren't quite uh, matching up to the scripture, let's say. Uh, we had uh, a lot of uh, c- confusion between some terminologies as well. So just like usual, we've talked many times about how all of us define words differently. And so a lot of times during a message, I'll take and define a particular kind of keyword so that we all are working off of the same thing. So as we do that, I do want to give you three definitions today. If our note takers have, have their pens, that'd be great. Uh, I'll be sending this out as well because this will greatly impact our conversations over probably the next three months or so. Uh, evangelism is reaching out and leading us to Jesus. That's evangelism. Evangelism is not discipleship. Um, Evangelism is part of being a disciple. It's one of the things we're called to and commanded to do, but it's not part of discipleship. So I think that's probably the number one thing that we were kind of confused, like how do you personally disciple? I talk to you about Jesus, Jesus, or I'm an example of Jesus. Well, that's evangelism. Um, discipleship or being discipled is going to be more like Jesus as he's created you in your uniqueness. So the way that we are grown to be more like Jesus, like what we talked about last week, for the, if, if you want to build the house on the rock, what do you do? You hear his words and you do his words. That's what he told us as we went through that parable last week. So being in the word, uh, being a church is a good one. A lot of people put, I go to church. That, that, that's a good one. But in all honesty, if you're just doing Sunday morning church, you're not building that strong of a house. Um, we are a part of that. But uh, realistically, if the, the, the way you build the, build the tower or build the house is by hearing his word and doing it. Uh, I've been here, like we said, next week will be, what, 19 years since we started this church. Uh, you have not covered all of this, this scripture. If you came every week since the very beginning of our time together, you have not been through God's word at the, the level that you can at home. It's just, just impossible. It's impossible. Like sometimes I'll hear people like, I'd like to know more about the minor prophets. My pastor never told me about the minor prophets. No, I didn't. 
you know, we did here and there, that type of thing, uh, because the church's role, or my role, is to prepare and send out. It's not to teach everything that's in the scripture. The, the, this is the benefits of us having the scripture so we can go deeper at home. So th this is huge on how to, how to disciple and be more like Jesus, is to hear the words, obey the words. Uh, again, church is a big part of that, fellowship and the things that we study here, sure, absolutely. Prayer, fellowship, accountability partners, there's all kinds of ways that we continue to grow, but the number one is the Word of God. And then the last one is discipling, because when we get into the stages of discipleship or going to be more like Jesus, this is going to be huge for us. Because discipling is now taking, okay, this is what I've learned, or this is what I've experienced, or this is what God has put on my heart. Now, not only does that benefit me, but I'm responsible to take that out to people who are not at the same place I'm spiritually yet. And you might have only been with the Lord for a year, and like, well, you know, I kind of feel like there's a lot for me to understand. Trust me, you have things that the kids would love to hear. There's always somebody, just like I've always said, we're always, all of us are followers, all of us are leaders, in one way or another, just depending on where you're at. But investing back into um, the, 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 the others to be able to grow to be more like Jesus is part of our role, is part of our job, no matter where we're at on the spectrum or however you want to explain that. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that as well. So these three terms are going to be very, very important to us um, because we're all responsible for all three. If we've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven our lives by acknowledging with our mouth he's the son of God, believing our heart he died and rose again, saying, you're God, I'm not, and I'm following you, that's on our plate. The Great Commission, lead us to Jesus, baptize them, and to teach each other to follow what he has for us. So uh, I want to make sure we have those in place especially in kind of a realistic way. Again, discipling happens a billion different ways from working with kids or youth or to a friend at, 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 uh, at work, to somebody in your family that's maybe younger than you spiritually, whatever the case may be. It's not evangelism. If they're not, not someone who's up to Jesus leader for giving their life, then you're evangelizing. If they have come to Jesus, then you're helping them grow. Okay, so all these things matter, and all of us have that responsibility and that opportunity. Uh, this past week, something came across my Facebook, uh, thing Majabi. It was, uh, 10 things not to say to your pastor. <laughs> and I don't share those things out that, all that often, because to be honest, most of the stuff that ends up in those things, I don't really hear around here, right? uh, and I love you guys for it. Uh, but one I have... Uh, one of the things I said is, sorry, I don't have a gift for that. Like if you ask them, like, hey, do you want to help with this? Or do you, can, do you have a little bit of time that you can do this? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have a, a gift for that. And their response uh, to that statement was, every believer can serve in a hundred ways, whether we are gifted, quote, unquote, in a particular area or not. No one requires a specific anointing of God to share their faith or make a gift or pray a prayer or teach a class. And I agree with that. I agree with that. I've seen some of my favorite classes I've gone through. The person definitely didn't have a gift of teaching. But they had a heart for Jesus. So those are some things to be able to put in those places because we have to watch and make sure we're not making excuses to become ineffective. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, so with that, again, he who hears these words, mine, and uh, puts them into practice of building that house on the rock, takes us back to the parables. And today... What I want to do is be able to, last week we talked about the parables of discipleship, but uh, this week we're going to go into the parables of warning, uh, the parables of warning, which is different than the other parables we've been through so far, because uh, I'm kind of a promise guy. I like God's promises. 
but the, the Bible also gives us a lot of warnings too. Jesus gives us a lot of warnings as well. And I think it's important when I was going through my uh, pastoral classes, I had a, a Bible teacher that said that uh, we need both the, the positive and the negative. We need the promises and, and the warnings, basically. Because some people will respond to Jesus first because of heaven, and some people respond to Jesus first because of hell. We all respond to different things, different ways. So today we're going to get into the warnings of the, the parables. Uh, the first two that we're going to talk about um, are going to be ones we've already covered. So I'm going to give you the scripture references up there. I'm not going to ask you to go to them uh, just because we've already covered them. So I'll kind of summarize a little bit. Uh, so again, the warnings instead of the whiffums, what's, what's in it for me? But the first one is Luke 12, 13 through 21. And if you're familiar, uh, remember this one, I, I think this was back a few weeks back, um, where a guy came to Jesus and was like, hey, can you talk to my brother because he's not giving me my share of the inheritance? And Jesus like, I'm not really the arbitrator uh, for that. But then he tells him a parable about his heart. Uh, if you remember this, about a farmer that has just like an incredible year and has tons of harvest. And he's like overwhelmed with how much surplus he has now. And so do you remember what his plan was? Was to tear down the old bones, make new bones. He's going to fill them up. And he's thinking to himself, this is awesome. This is great. I'm going to have years where I don't have to stress out. I can be, eat. I can drink. I can be merry. Do you guys remember that parable? And, and Jesus said, um, and the, the, the warning was verse 20, Fool this very night your soul will be required of you. Uh, you, you have of this and you think you're in great shape, but you're not in control of anything. And, and we do that today. I, I don't think having a 401k is a sin in any way, shape, or form. But I have met by share of people that they live for retirement. I've got, I'm going to have my $500,000 portfolio so that I can retire and I can travel and I can do this and I can do that. And I've got this whole f future planned out for me. You have no control over any of that. One of the reasons I like traveling right now is because with my back, I don't know if I'm going to be traveling by the time I get to retirement. You know what I mean? I just, I have no control over that. I don't have any control on whether or not I die today or die tomorrow, whatever the case may be. So there, there, there's this great promise within it of, listen, uh, don't worry so much about this, but worry about this. Build up your treasures in heaven. That's where the promise came in. But the warning became anything here is really not in my control. Not my control at all. So how do we build things in heaven? How do we build up the treasures in heaven? I evangelize, I'm discipled, and I disciple others. I follow the Great Commission. The th on that journey, the things that I experience on this journey, as people come to the Lord, as I learn how to live the kingdom of God now instead of just waiting until I get to heaven someday and while I deal with this muck and mire and suck that's down here, as I take and invest in others, so that the ripple effects continue, that's me building up things in the kingdom of heaven. The warning is, don't focus so much down here. That's one of the warning parables that they'll talk about. They're talking about those. Uh, the next one would be Luke 14. Again, we've spent a lot of time in Luke. Luke 14, uh, verses 15 through 24, which is the great parable. I'm sorry, great uh, banquet parable. And this one we've talked about a couple times. I think it's a, quickly becoming my favorite uh, parable of Jesus where there, um, this is the night that he's sitting and having dinner with all the religious leaders and all jockeying for position. You remember this one? And he's taking and talking to them about this and challenging them about this. And um, we talked about the hallways being around where the dinner is, where the people that are uh, misfits or unclean or 
um, didn't have their whole life together, could watch how perfect they were, hoping that they would somehow um, suck in that ooze, or I don't know. But it, it was a very hypocritical standpoint when Jesus took and moved past that boundary and uh, brought up a man with dropsy and healed him, loved on him on the Sabbath. Um, we, we like that one. We like, we like that. And, the, and then he tells that parable where he says, this guy makes this huge banquet and invites all these prominent people, and everybody says, yes, they're going to come. And then when it's time for the banquet, they all start coming up with a bunch of excuses. Right? You remember that? I'm not going to bring up crushed testicles. I'm just saying they all made a bunch of excuses. Oh, thanks, Katie. You're so sly. I didn't even put that together. Do you want me to say it again? Okay. So <laughs> my wife, the only one that still has energy. Do you have energy? Do you? I, we get here at like 8.30 on Sundays with the worship team and start the day and stuff. And, uh, man, I just was dragging. I went upstairs and laid down for an hour. slept for half an hour. Emily's in my office right now sleeping on the couch. And my wife's back there like, don't say crushed testicles. Um, it was biblical. It was from the scripture. Huh? Oh, my gosh. I did it again, Katie. So anyways, none of them came. Uh, they all gave, they gave excuses. And then uh, so he says, go out and get the misfits out of the streets. But before, they said, we've already done that. There's no space. Go out and compel them and bring more and just bring the misfits. And then he says, this is the... The, the wording within it is, I tell you, none that were invited shall taste my banquet. And we looked at the promise of it because we love we're misfits. We, that's something that I think defines our church really, really well. It's we're more the misfit end of things. And so we like that, that we were invited, and these people who thought that they were great prominence were not invited because they weren't, we weren't faithful. Um, I beg you to take a second to think about that. Because why that parable is laid out that way, if you have said the prayer to follow Jesus, and then you just become a Sunday morning Christian, or a cultural Christian, or a hypocritical Christian, and you're just waiting for someday to go to heaven, but you're living your life just however you want to do it, and you keep train wrecking, and you can't figure out why, then you were the one that was invited. You said yes, and then you're not showing up. So misfit or not, it still applies to all of us. You know, so not that all of us are perfect, but that we're all growing and moving forward with that because, again, God's had enough hypocritical questions and so has the world. Um, so there's a warning there. I tell you, none that were invited shall taste of my banquet. How do we go to the banquet? Evangelize, be discipled, disciple others. That's what we're showing up. We're partaking of the mill. Okay? So those are two of the three, but since the third one we have not gone through, and it's a little bit odd compared to the other parables, uh, we're going to go to actually go to that. So let's go to Matthew. Chapter 21, again, there's Bibles in the baskets around the chairs underneath your butts. If you need a Bible, there is um, version up and running. If you want to use the version app, you just do a search for local live events and have all the scriptures and place for notes and blah, blah, blah there. But we're going to go there and look at this last one that's not so much a parable that Jesus told as much as a parable that Jesus lived. Um, and we're getting into... We kind of dabbled up against Palm Sunday a couple of weeks ago, and we've got Palm Sunday coming up here in about a month. Um, but this is the day after Palm Sunday, the day after Jesus, the last week of his life, rode into uh, Jerusalem, went to the temple, expecting good things there, was not good things there, it was the money changers and the, 
different things going on there that he ended up getting lit and ended up ripping the place apart and throwing people around and you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then he goes back to Bethany. Now, if you're not familiar with Bethany, if you want, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to find it. And do a search on Bethany. There's great studies on the town of, of Bethany that we've done. I love Bethany as this place of refuge. But this is Monday morning. This is him heading back in after everything that happened on Palm Sunday, if you're familiar with that. So this is where we're going to read a little, talk a little, and get into the, the main crux of the warnings uh, on top of the foundation of the other two. So I have verse 18. It says, In the morning, as Jesus was returning to the city, Jesus became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Okay, so he's riding into town, sees the fig tree, um, goes over, gets some fruit. It's not there. Jesus gets lit, maybe a little bit cranky this morning, withers the thing, and it dies. Okay, yeah, he's uh, it's, it's uh, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Okay, so there's a, this is partnered with a section in Mark uh, that is the, like the harmony of the Gospels where the different guys are talking about the same events from maybe some different points of view. Um, but it still have that consistency. And in Mark, there's a, a two things there that kind of, the, the second one throws me a little, uh, used to throw me a little bit. The first one is uh, with Mark's telling of this, it happens over the day, like over seven or eight hours. Uh, they, they, they leave, he courses it, they go into town, they come back and it's withered. Uh, I don't care about those kind of details. If uh, Sandy and I were telling a story about this morning 30 years from now, I'm sure we'd get a couple of details different. You actually look for that in eyewitness testimonies. That's not a big detail. The, the crux is still there. The part that throws me a little bit is Mark also shares with us uh, that he, he goes to get f the figs, and the figs aren't there because it's not the season for figs. And so the question, well, then why is Jesus so mad at the tree if it's not the season for figs? He's cursing this tree for doing what it naturally does, right? That, that, that's, that's thrown me for, for a while uh, within this. So I went to, I, I was doing some study, and I finally answered my question for myself. I don't know if it would be good enough for you or not, but for me, I'm simple, so maybe. But uh, in a book called Manners and Customs of the Bible Lands, for those who like to know about different resources out there, it's a, it's a decent one to have. Manners and, and Customs of the Bible Lands by Fred T, no idea what it stands for, right, W-R-I-G-H-T. And, and there uh, it shows that the normal habit of the fig tree is that the fruit begins to form on the fig tree as soon as the leaves appear. Leaves and fruit also disappear together. So the, the, the frustration is not that it's not producing fruit when, it's supposed to be, when he wanted fruit. It's that it had the appearance of fruit and it lied. You with me? It had the leaves, but didn't have the figs, and those two go together. So the tree basically was lying by just having the appearance instead of having the fruit. This is the exact thing he just ran into with the church the night before. Had the appearance of the church, 
claimed to, to be godly, claimed to be the house of God, but when he went in, it was nothing but corruption. There was no fruit. And so he tore up house. Fig tree had the appearance of fruit, did not have fruit. He cursed it. So this parable, where it's not so much a story, but an object lesson being placed side by side where we understand about this fig tree, especially with this little bit of information we've got now, and he's trying to explain to us the things of God and putting them side by side so we can get our heads around it. What he's saying is, don't have the appearance of being a Christian and being a hypocrite. Don't, don't, don't slap that bumper sticker on your car and don't put you know, the, the, the Jesus t-shirt on and cuss people all who, who you just cut off. And others like it's just, he, he gets angry when we say we're the church or we say we're Christian and we're not representing him. That's the warning. That's the warning that's within this. So within this testimony, and again, I'll give you a couple of Bible verses here too. If you want to write them down, they're not going to be on the screen. They are in you version if you want them. Um, if you look at Isaiah 34, 4. With the pleasant humming of the lights in between each one. Jeremiah 24, 1 through 8. And Hosea 9.10. Isaiah 34.4, Jeremiah 24, 1 through 8, Hosea 9.10. All three are samples, not an exhaustive list, but samples of when God has referred to Israel as fig trees. When he referred to his people as fig trees. When he refers to us as fig trees. The, the, the warning is not as easy to see because the promise is great. If, if you have faith and do, do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done in fig tree, but you'll be able to move mountains and whatever you ask in prayer. Now again, we studied prayer two weeks ago, the parables of prayer, so don't think I'm just going to pray for a motorcycle and I'm going to get it. Um, we're praying within the will of God. Um, so, so whatever you, you ask in, in prayer through the will of God, uh, you will receive if you have uh, faith. That's the promise. That's awesome. The warning is... You and I are the fig tree. And we can either produce leaves and figs, or we can play the game and be hypocritical, and it turns into a train wreck. It withers and it dies. Um, so how do I produce well? One, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. We talk about it every week with these parables. It's over and over again. James 4, if we choose to humble ourselves and let ourselves be pruned and we give our life to Jesus and we say, now from here on out, Jesus, I'm a train wreck who needs you and follow him, then you've got something that he can work with. Then he promises to lift us up. If we don't, and I've had those seasons where there's, uh, okay, I'll give him this but not this. I'll give him that, not this. Uh, he loves you enough to take and let things be painful for a little bit to knock you on your back to make you look up. Okay, it's not as fun. It's not as fun, but he loves you. But he loves you. Or you can just even ignore that, and I've seen people ignore that, and next thing you know, you're a withered up tree that nobody's going to come to want any fruit from at all, any nourishment from at all. That's the warnings. So this whole time that we've been talking about the promises of God, the whole time that we've been talking about the, the, the Sermon of the Mount and the, this way of living that we can have accessibility to now, the way that we talk about the intimacy that God wants to have with us. 
All of those things are beautiful things. Beautiful things. I'm a promise guy. I love the promises. And I love the truth of that. But sometimes we got to realize the warning end of it or else we end up taking the promises for granted. And that's why I think we get quite a bit when it comes to when it comes to the parables of warning. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.